It's time to play like a jet with your host, Scott Mason. Play like a jet. What does that mean? Smith rifles that one to Mims. And that's a foot race. He's going to win. Touchdown, Baylor. Denzel Mims with another monster score of 70 yards. Five straight games, Anthony, where he's got a touchdown catch of over 20. That's to the middle of that line, and it's a touchdown. Big return for Crowder, 85 yards. Donald escapes, trying to buy himself some time. Fires, end zone, it's caught. Incredible play by Donald. He'll hit immediately when he got the handoff. You know and that's <laughs> the Q-inator. Oh my gosh. Listen, thank you. From the TOJ Digital Studio, this is Play Like a Jet. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter, at PlayLikeAJet1. And it's time for the Chronicles of Nania. With the man this show is named for, he is, of course, the co-founder and resident stat geek over at JetsXFactor.com, Mr. Michael Nania. Michael, what a game we saw on Sunday with the Jets and the 49ers. I know that you were glued to your seat. You just couldn't be pulled away, not even to grab a snack. Yeah, I mean, that was entertaining. Of all the awesome games we had on Sunday, that, that was definitely the one people were paying the most attention to. I mean, there, there was just so much fun stuff to take out of it. I mean, I, I don't even care that I missed any other games because I got to watch that game. That was a privilege. And, of course, if you watch the game, you know by now that Michael and I are being 1,000% sarcastic. We're laying it on a little thick, as Chris Farley might have said in Tommy Boy. <laughs> But it was absolutely brutal to watch. It was a destruction in every way imaginable. And the 49ers were at like 25% strength, which made it even worse. But what we do on this show, Michael, this is specifically your wheelhouse, is we talk about trends. And so I want to talk about a lot of the trends that came out of this game, statistical trends, but also Adam Gase-related trends, because there are plenty of those. You broke them down at JetsXFactor.com, and one of those trends is that there are far too many games, like the one that we saw on Sunday with the Jets and the San Francisco 49ers, where the offense just straight up didn't show up. That happened on Sunday, but it's happened way too many times, not just with the Jets, but when Gase was the head coach in Miami as well. Yeah, the Jets now, since Gase has taken over, this was their 12th game with under 20 points, also their 12th game with under 300 yards of offense. And both of those are, well, the under 300 yards, that's the most in the league. 12 games, under 300, no one else is that many. And they're tied with the Bengals and Washington for the most games with under 20 points. So it doesn't really seem like the resume of a brilliant offensive mind. But, I mean, I guess Chris Johnson does watch plenty of film to know more than we do. But uh, that doesn't really seem too good to me. But, yeah, the really the his propensity for having these awful games not just overall the offense isn't great they're average they've had so many games where they've just done nothing I mean that's 12 games with under 20 points out of the 18 he's coached that's two-thirds of the time he can't even hit the 20 point mark it just way 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 too consistent uh, with how often he's been having these bad games and Michael along with those bad games of course come a lot of blowout losses and this is an alarming trend with Adam Gase. As we're going to get to later, a lot of his wins are very close, but a lot of his losses are as wide as you can get. 
Yeah, and, and this is something that's carried over from Miami. The blowout losses, just way too many of them. It, with the Dolphins from 2016 to 18, they lost 19 games by multiple scores, which is at least nine points. That was the third most in the league behind San Francisco and Cleveland over that span. And then since he's taken over for the Jets, the Jets have lost nine games by at least nine points. That's third behind his former team, the Dolphins, and Washington. So that's half of the games he's coached, nine out of 18, that the Jets have been blown out, lost by multiple scores. That's just completely unacceptable. I mean, Miami was trying to lose games last season. Washington is, you know, sort of in a rebuilding stage as well. They don't really have that kind of talent. But the Jets picked up Adam Gase at a time where they're trying to win some games. They had Darnold going into his second year. They hired him to develop Darnold. They spent a lot of money in free agency last offseason. And granted, Mike McCagnan didn't build the best roster, to say the least. But still, the Jets were trying to win games. It's not like this team's trying to rebuild. They have the talent to be not this bad even if they're not a Super Bowl contender, but half of the games he's coached, the Jets have been blown out. So that's pretty bad. They've been blown out a lot, but they don't blow anybody else out. Yeah, exactly. There are some teams in the league that are kind of up and down like that. They'll get blown out, but they'll blow somebody else out uh, to show that potential that, okay, if they can sort of bring everything together, they have the potential to be a really good team. But the Jets aren't that team. They've been blown out a lot, and they don't blow anybody else out. The Jets have only won two games by multiple scores under Gase, which were back-to-back last year against Washington and Oakland, which is tied for the fifth fewest in the league since he took over. Washington only has one, and four or three other teams uh, have no blowout wins over that span, but still only two blowouts under Gase. Dolphins, it was the same thing. Very few blowouts when he was there. So uh, if you're not blowing people out and you're getting blown out more than anyone else, it's going to be tough to compete. And if you're not blowing anybody out, often that means you're not scoring a lot of points. And that means you are not going to have a lot of elite offensive performances. I understand that this particular incarnation of the Jets for Gase is not exactly set up to have a ton of elite offensive performances. But still, between his years in Miami and his years here with the Jets, an extremely low number of elite offensive performances. Yeah, and just like with the blowouts, just the same way that Gase has had a lot of really bad offensive performances, there haven't been any high points to balance them out. The best third-down conversion rate that a Jets team under Gase has posted in a game is 42.9%. They did it twice against the Dolphins at home and the Ravens last year. That's their best third-down conversion rate. Every other team in the NFL has hit at least 45% in three games at least over that span. And the Jets haven't done it a single time. Even Washington. Well, Washington actually is the exception. They've only done it one time, but every other team besides them, at least three games with 45% third down conversion rate. Jets haven't done it a single time. Eight teams have done that at least 10 times. 17 teams have done it at least eight times. Zero for the Jets. So again, it just goes to show they, if you're getting blown out a lot, doing nothing on offense a lot, You also don't have the high points to balance it out. There's just nothing there um, to really, you know, to really hang your hat on. There's no potential. Your floor is low, but, you know, which we're going to talk about uh, in a couple of minutes or right after this. um, There's a reason that Gase has been able to hang around for so long in spite of this stuff. But uh, really, you know, the high points haven't been there to showcase potential. Floor has been very low and very consistent. 
to where it's you know really dragged down the potential for this team to actually put some consistency together. So it's been really bad. And also, in addition to the third downs, the most points they scored under Gase is 34. Jets are only or one they're one of only four teams that haven't hit 35 points since 2019. The most first downs they've had in a game is 23. The Steelers are the only other team that haven't hit 25 first downs in a game under Gase. Every other team in the league has hit 25 first downs at least twice. 19 teams have done it at least four times, zero for the Jets. So high point performances, not there. There's really not anything to show that he has the potential with some more consistency to even be good because even when things have been clicking and he's had his best games, they still haven't been great. If you're listening to this, you may be saying to yourself, how is it possible that this guy's teams aren't 3-13 and every year if they're not blowing anybody out, if they're not having elite offensive performances, if they're having all these poor offensive games overall? The answer to that is that Adam Gase is the king of the close, fluky wins. We've seen it many times. Remember, he had that Hail Mary last play of the game win against the Patriots toward the end of his final season in Miami. They won games on missed field goals, on blocked field goals. It's incredible when you really dig through just how many games Adam Gase's teams have barely scraped out, and a lot of times barely scraped out under strange circumstances. This is what has kept Adam Gase from being a 3-13 coach every year and propelled him to be more of a 7-9 type of coach. Yeah, Gase's career record with Miami and the Jets is 30 and 36, which is a 455 win percentage. Not that bad. It's close to 500, which is extremely shocking considering everything we've went through. He blows people out less than anyone else, and he gets blown out more than anyone else. So it's the close games that have bounced that out and allowed him to look like a slightly competent coach. Um, because, because this record, you look at a close to 500 record, the Jets won seven games last year. 7-5 and five after Darnold's return. When you have a record like that, that's right in that area where it's like, okay, give him a couple more pieces. You can make the playoffs and push to the divisional round and Super Bowl contender. But in reality, it's not like he's a 500 coach who needs more pieces. He's actually a 3-4 win coach who is being pushed up to a 500 coach through sheer luck. So his record in Miami in one-score games, 20-6, and six, 769 win percentage, Best in the league over that span. He's 5-2 and two in those games with the Jets, which is 7-14, so almost as good. And one of the best records since he's taken over. But like you said, it's not something he's actually good at. He's just had a lot of crazy breaks. He had the Miami Miracle in 2018. Uh, there was a game against the Bears where Cody Parkey, who was a former Dolphin, actually missed uh, a game-winning field goal in overtime. There was a game against the Jets in 2018, Darnold's rookie year where Darnold threw four interceptions, he was struggling, Spencer Long couldn't snap the ball. The Dolphins' offense had seven first downs, the fourth fewest in franchise history, and Gase gets a one-score win for that, even though his offense is absolutely terrible. So a lot of close wins he's had nothing to do with. This translated to the Jets last year. Week 14, they beat the Dolphins on a third and 18 pass interference that was a toss-up. It could have went either way. Jets got that call won the game. If they didn't get it, that would be a loss and a sweep to an awful team uh, and losing at home in this one. They beat the Cowboys in week six, choked a 21-3 to lead away, two-point conversion. 
Jets get the stop to prevent Dallas from tying the game on a great play from Jamal Adams and a call by Greg Williams. Gase has nothing to do with that. And then week 16 against Pittsburgh, the Jets win another close game. Um, Devlin Hodges threw a deep ball near the end of the game with under a minute that could have put the Steelers up. Marcus May broke that pass up with a great play. And then next play after that, the Jets get another stop on a potential first down. Uh, and the Jets only scored 16 points in that game. The offense was terrible. The defense won that game, shutting down Pittsburgh. Yet another close win for Gase that he had nothing to do with. So all these close wins, it's it's just wild he's been able to get them at such a, a great rate, not slightly above average. He's been winning these games at a ridiculous rate, even though when you break them down, he's just not really doing anything. It's not like they're getting great game-winning drives to pull them out or anything like that. It's just wild breaks that are often based on things he can't control. You know, good calls going his way, the defense playing well, stuff like the Miami miracle, which, you know, credit to them for pulling it off, but something like that happens one time out of 100 with Rob Gronkowski missing missing a tackle. But a lot of things like that are what have pushed him up from the records that he should have to the mediocre records he has gotten that have prompted first Miami and now the Jets to believe in him more than they should. And you look at his expected win percentages throughout his career with the Dolphins from 2016 to 18. They were 29th in point differential, but 18th in win percentage. So 11 spots higher uh, in win percentage than where they're actually performing. Um, And that just goes to show some of the luck that he's had. He was 23 and 25 with the Dolphins, so almost 500, even though his teams had the fourth worst point differential in the league. And that's just complete luck, pretty much. Um, it usually is complete luck unless you can back it up with legitimate, you know, late fourth quarter clutch situation performance. And, you know, looking through a lot of these wins, like the many examples I just gave, a lot of these close wins he got were did not have to do with his offense playing too well. So with the Jets, it's the same thing. The Jets are one of 10 teams that have somewhere from six to eight wins over the past two seasons. And the Jets have the worst point differential out of those 10 teams. So really, he's been very lucky to not look like a coach that's so bad where there's no justification for keeping him. Uh, And he's been getting those close wins to make himself look respectable. I, I mean, look at the Jets last year. Say Jamal Adams doesn't have a ridiculous performance against the Giants to win that one score game. So they don't, they don't get the call against the Dolphins and they lose that game. Uh, the Steelers game, say they complete that pass at the end. Marcus May doesn't break it up. They lose that game. And they just like that, they can go 4-12. and 12. Even the last game against the Bills, they only won by a touchdown. They scored 13 points against a team playing its backups. And Gase gets another close win for that that makes his record look good, even though his unit did nothing. So just look at games like that. If they go the other way, he could easily be a three, four win coach that there's no way the team could be justifying keeping him. But instead, these things have for some reason gone his way. And now he looks like a coach that's a couple pieces away from being a playoff coach when in reality, you read between the lines and he's nowhere near that. So crazy luck for Adam Gase, the football gods smiling down upon him for some weird reason. Uh, or the reason that he's been able to get so many uh, stick around with Miami and now a second season with the Jets. 
Michael, it reminds me a little bit of a pitcher who puts a lot of runners on base but then finds ways to get out of jams. So when you look at the numbers that are right there on the surface, you say, oh, this pitcher's pretty solid. But when you really dig deep into the analytics, you realize this pitcher isn't actually very good. And eventually that dam is going to burst. And the fact that he's putting all those runners on base is going to come back to haunt him because he's going to start facing teams that are going to be able to knock those runners in. And that's what you look at with Gase and figure is due to happen at some point. All of these trends are pointing towards a major disaster for him. And perhaps this is the season. And a big part of the reason is that when you dig under the hood with Gase, he makes a lot of very puzzling decisions and fails to take advantage of situations that he should take advantage of. And as we look at the statistical trends from this game between the Jets and the 49ers, one of those is that he just couldn't find a way to take advantage of of the offensive line having pretty good success on first down in the run game. Yeah, this is something the Jets really lacked last year, an offensive line that could set you up in favorable situations with the early down run game. And it seems like they have that now. Makai Becton, a huge part of that. Um, On first down against the Niners, 4.8 yards per rush attempt on first down. Very solid. And then on second down, instead of calling play action passes, building off of that, taking shots, Gase consistently ran the ball through short passes and just played right into the defense's hands. You build that respect with your first down run game. You draw the defense in and then you take advantage of the space behind them. But instead ran eight times on second down against the Niners, only two and a half yards per carry on those runs. And only one of them resulted in a first down. So that's just a really ineffective way to go about things. And then when they did pass, it was still ineffective. 12 passes on second down, only three first downs on those 12 passes. And Darnold's average yards per completion, only six yards, which is slightly more than half the league average. So that just goes to show that, you know, he's checking the ball down those situations, not actually, or, or throwing screens or short passes instead of taking shots, which is completely just doesn't make sense at all with how effective the first down run game was. So, uh, and really the worst offense here is that through two games uh, and the jets were good, uh, pretty good on first down in the Buffalo game as well. Uh, they had a couple big losses in that one, but pretty consistently were getting good games, uh, good games on first down jets are seventh in the NFL right now with 4.7 yards per attempt on first down. Uh, and Gase has only called two play action passes on second down through two games. He's called some on first down, but on second down, which is the perfect time to, especially with how often he's been going run, run on first, second down, so many opportunities to do a play fake and take a shot in man coverage. I know the Jets don't have a lot of talent at receiver right now, but they also don't have it at running back with Le'Veon Bell out. I mean, they're so thin in so many different places. There's not really a place where, you know, you can't go. So it's not like taking a shot is something they're not capable of. Uh, but only two play action passes on second down throughout two games, one against Buffalo and one in this 49ers game. So that's inexplicable. I guess it would make more sense if you didn't have the run game to build that respect, but it seems like they do have it now. This offensive line uh, is doing a pretty good job on first down of giving the Jets some favorable second and third down situations, but Gase hasn't been doing the best job of taking advantage of it, to, to say the least. Play like a Jet. Play like a Jet.
Another troubling trend with the Gase offense that we saw again on Sunday against the 49ers is the inability to get the tight end involved. Last year, we saw Ryan Griffin play fairly well with Christopher Herndon first suspended and then injured. And this year, you have a healthy Herndon, you have a healthy Griffin. Jamison Crowder was out, so there was no proven receiving threat on the field. And with the slot guy out, you would think that would open things up for the tight end. The Jets have major receiver issues anyway. You have two guys in Hernan and Griffin who have proven to be reliable targets. Makes no sense whatsoever that they're not working these two guys into the passing game more. Right, and they're Sam Darnold's, they have been Sam Darnold's favorite targets so far. Herndon, 2018, Griffin, 2019. Darnold's highest passer rating among the guys he's thrown the most passes to uh, were those two players, Herndon and Griffin, and they really haven't been getting involved so far. Griffin has been out, ran out for 22 receiving snaps, zero targets. He did catch a 27-yard pass down the field on a nice back shoulder throw against the 49ers, but that was wiped out because of an offensive pass interference. So only technically he's only been targeted one time, but has no official targets. Herndon has seen some passes thrown his way, 11 targets, caught seven of them, but only for 42 yards and two first downs. And those were in garbage time. You take out the Bills' garbage time drive, and Herndon has caught four of eight targets for seven yards. Um, He had a fumble on that play in the Bills game. That was a screen. He dropped a touchdown uh, from a potential touchdown from Darnold against the Niners. So Herndon does have to do a better job holding on to the ball. He's already made two big mistakes there, but I do think there have been some plays where Darnold missed him wide open in the middle of the field. So Darnold can do a better job of getting the ball to Herndon. But I do think Griffin is the the key piece here um, because he only one target over the 22 snaps. He's gone out on a route. That's, that's too little. I'd rather see him involved in the offense instead of Josh Malone, even Chris Hogan to the extent he has been. Uh, I think I think Herndon and Griffin really can lead this offense sort of in a way that the Eagles last year did with Zach Ertz and Dallas Goddard. And, and their question marks at wide receiver, they featured their tight ends and had some success with it. And the Jets probably should be doing something similar right now as they, you know, deal so many injuries at receiver. So Herndon, I think Darnold has missed him a few times, but he has to do a better job of holding on to the ball already has made two big mistakes, but I do think Griffin can get, he can definitely get more involved. He can be featured more often. The one catch he did make, he was lined up on the line of scrimmage outside as essentially the X receiver. And he ran a go route. Darnold gave him good back shoulder throw more of that, even though there was a penalty on him on that play. uh, That's something we could definitely see more of. Michael, it's clear from watching the games and looking at the statistical trends that the offense has been struggling mightily for the New York Jets, but the defense has as well, and that was not something we saw last year. If anything, everybody rallied around the fact that Greg Williams did a great job. He had his team prepared. Everybody was ready to run through a wall for him. This year, it doesn't seem like that at all. And in fact, one of the key things that you look for in a disciplined football team is their ability to make easy tackles. Unfortunately, the Jets are not doing that this year. They are missing tackles at an alarming rate. Yeah, the missed tackles, huge issue in both games. It's been obvious watching it, and the numbers back it up. So Pro Football Focus tracked them for 16 misses against Buffalo. That was the most of that week. And this uh, this week, they missed 13. That was tied for second most. Uh, And over the two weeks, their 29 misses tied with the Chiefs for the most in the NFL. So 
quite, it's been a major, major problem. Uh, and the big, biggest issue with it is that it's not like there's a couple of players racking up, you know, racking up all the misses that are messing everything up. It's been everyone on defense. They've had 15 players credited, uh, 15 players credited with at least one missed tackle. That's the most in the league. Bless Austin, though. He has to do a better job. Three misses in both games. So that's a team high six. That's also tied, uh, also tied for the most in the entire league. So he needs to do a better job finishing. He's got length, ball skills. He when he does finish tackles, they're impressive because uh, he is so aggressive and long. But he really has a tendency to dive and go low, misses quite a bit. So Austin has to be a lot better. But everyone has really been a part of this and not a great look for their preparation because I think a lot of people thought missed tackles would be something that would be an early season issue with the lack of practice time around the league, but it really hasn't been. The missed tackle rate is only 14.5% so far, about the same as last year's 14.8%. So it really hasn't been a problem around the league. The Jets just are not, have not been as prepared and as efficient finishing tackles as anyone else in the league has. So uh, something that definitely is uh, a knock on Greg right now. Um, and there have been other issues too. Avery Williamson, for some reason, is not playing over Alec Ogletree. We haven't gotten a great reason for that. Um, he did play a few snaps, but still, he should be playing every down. Uh, and then also, there were some blown coverages on the one sack by Quinn and Williams, uh, his second one. Someone was wide open for what would have been a touchdown. So Quinnen saved a touchdown on that play. Uh, not the best start for Greg Williams after he was maybe the biggest, one of the biggest positives on the team last year. Uh, a guy who you thought you could count on uh, to, you know, come in this season and at least lead a defense that could exceed its talent level. Um, now they're actually playing as low as their talent level is right now with no Mosley, no, no Adams, no edge rush. As low as the talent level is, they're even playing below that right now. So you don't want to blame Greg too much after two games. And at the end of the day, the players are missing the tackles, not Greg Williams, but still this is uh, last year. You were able to count on Greg leading this defense to a much better performance level than you would expect out of them. And this year it's just been extremely ugly in all facets. And the one thing that you thought this defense or this team in general could do well, and there was no way they wouldn't be able to do this well. It is the least important thing to do on the football field, but still, you knew they could do it, was run defense. Unfortunately, that has not been one of the team's strengths this year. In fact, they haven't really had any strengths, but that was supposed to be the big one. It has been a weakness, if anything, so far. Yeah, the run defense against the Niners, three humongous plays, and the Jets just did not give up many of these last year. It's You could always... You can always count on the Jets. Like you said, it's the least important part of the game. So, of course, it's the thing the Jets are the best at every single year. But you could always count on them to be good at stopping the run. Not so far this year. Josh Allen shredded them in the first game. And then a couple, a few big plays in this one. But the weirdest thing about this run defense right now is they're giving up these huge plays, but they're still coming back and getting a lot of stuffs outside of those. So against the Niners, they obviously gave up 80-yard touchdown Raheem Mostert to open the game, a 16-yard touchdown to McKinnon, and an unbelievable 55-yard conversion on third and 31. Uh, that's the first 31-plus-yard conversion with a running play since 1999, Leroy Horde for the Vikings. So it's been quite a while since that's happened, over two decades, not that long. 
But other than that, this is what's interesting. The Jets were really good at stopping this run game on their other 24 carries by San Francisco, only 33 yards, 1.4 per attempt. Ten of those stopped for no gain or, or a loss, which is extremely high. Quinn Williams was a part of five tackles against the run, all of them for three yards or less. Jenkins, McClendon, Phillips, three apiece, uh, tackles of three yards or less. So um, it's it's been interesting because they've been giving up these huge plays, but outside of those, it's not like they're consistently giving up four yards, seven yards, uh, being shredded on the ground. They're either stuffing runs or they're giving up these humongous plays. So uh, the big plays have to stop, and I think – the biggest reason they're giving up those big plays is not the defensive line, but in the back end, you have Bradley McDougal back there instead of Jamal Adams, massive downgrade uh, in the run game. Then at linebacker, you have Alec Ogletree and Neville Hewitt out there. Uh, and the, the, the linebacker position was an issue last year, but it's just being accentuated a bit this season with Jamal Adams not there to help out on the edge and at the second level. So those two positions, I think, are the big reason that they're giving up so many big runs, but the defensive line is still doing a pretty good job of picking up stuffs. Let's end on a high note, Michael, and talk about Sam Darnold. He was terrible in week one against the Buffalo Bills. In week two, he wasn't amazing, but he was much better. Yeah, this was definitely, uh, you want to see him hit higher high points in this game, obviously, and consistency is the biggest thing. Um, You definitely, it's not about one good game. It's not about two or three or four. It's about consistency throughout the entire season. You look at some of the numbers that quarterbacks are putting up in the league now. I mean, right now, if you have a passer rating of 90, you you would be 20th in the league. So that's about the rating Darnold put up in this game. Uh, The standards of quarterback play are getting really high. You have to be very consistent to be an average or good or even elite quarterback in the league alternating between good and bad games isn't going to get you anywhere. That's going to have you near the bottom of the leaderboard. So um, it's not about just having one good game, but this was a step forward for sure. He was pretty solid in this game threw the ball really well. There were some decisions that uh, struggled a bit under pressure, missed a few reads uh, was slow getting off of his first read, but in terms of just throwing the ball, he was really good. Uh, And even though his box score stats in this one, weren't that impressive, uh, less than six yards per attempt, one touchdown, no picks, under 200 yards. Uh, the advanced numbers liked him quite a bit. He had the 13th best QBR at ESPN this week. Pro Football Focus gave him the seventh best grade among starters this week. So uh, I think those numbers definitely do a good job of kind of weeding out the noise. Uh, he didn't, Darnold didn't get much of any yards after the catch in this game. There were a lot of screen passes. The play calling wasn't aggressive. The separation was bad. Uh, So he wasn't going to put up big numbers in this game, but he executed his role pretty well for the most part. And especially from a physical standpoint, again, there were some decision-making things that he needs to be better at to become a more consistent quarterback. But in terms of just throwing the ball, he is really good. And my grades were not quite as high as um, QBR and PFF were, but, I grading his game. I broke that down on Jets X Factor. It has clips of his best and worst plays, and I broke it down. But my grade for him was about a 65. That was the ninth best of his career, and uh, it, I do think that it is justified because, in terms of what he had to do in this game, what he was asked to do, he executed it pretty consistently. There were some things in terms of, from an evaluation perspective, that were worrying. 
Is he going to be able to be consistent on a weekly basis? Again, under pressure, his mechanics and, you know, rushing the ball out when he doesn't have to, taking too long to get off his first read. There were things like that that are worrying, and he needs to fix up if he's going to be consistent. But in terms of what he was asked to do in this game um, and getting the most out of what was available, he was pretty sharp in this one and made some really uh, some, some impressive throws in this one that, are, that should be in there in the reel of you know, what he's capable of throughout his career. So uh, I thought this was a solid performance, still a lot of room to improve, and he's got to chain these together if he's going to prove he's a franchise quarterback, but this was a huge step up. I mean, almost anything would have been. He really struggled against the Bills, but this was a good game. We saw what he's capable of physically, uh, what he can do as a thrower, scrambling, uh, you know, extending plays, throwing on the run. Uh, we saw the complete physical package, but there are some things fundamentally and mechanically that he does need to clean up if he's going to be able to allow those physical tools to shine on a weekly basis. But in this game, regardless of the box score stats not being impressive, you look at the advanced numbers, you look at the film, it was a solid performance, some stuff to clean up, but he was pretty good in this one, all things considered. If nothing else, like you said, Michael, a huge step up from the game against Buffalo, and that is cause for a big sigh of relief from everybody who roots for the New York Jets and everybody who works within the New York Jets organization even more so than that. And if you want to see Michael's full grade and a complete breakdown of how he arrived at that grade, that is available at JetsXFactor.com where you can get all of Michael's work. Of course, Michael Nania, who is the co-founder of JetsXFactor.com. Thanks so much for coming on for the Chronicles. As always, really appreciate it. You got your Darnold grade up there. You got plenty of other things. And I know that you're working on a bunch of other projects throughout the week. What's up so far and what do you got cooking? Yeah, I think um, the Darnold grade is definitely one to check out. A lot of clips of uh, both the positive and the negative from this game. Again, some really good stuff from uh, just pure talent perspective, but also look at some of the decision-making issues and mechanical issues, fundamentals that are holding him back from making these great plays consistently. So a good look at both sides there with the grades. Those will be out every week. Uh, I'll have my studs and duds from the game, which I'm tracking throughout the year in terms of uh, matching up the studs and duds with the point differential of the team to get a look at every player's impact on the team's scoring margin. So that's really interesting, and that'll be running throughout the season. Uh, and then also a lot of the stuff we talked about here, I did a couple of breakdowns on Adam Gase's, uh, his struggles with the Jets, some of his very wildly bad numbers, and also some of the key takeaways from that Niners game, but uh, lots of stuff consistently. Uh, definitely give Joe Blewett's film reviews a watch. I mean, he's putting out three hour plus film reviews on these games, longer than the games themselves. So definitely check those out. Uh, and you have to watch the whole thing that's required. Uh, Robbie Sabo, some great film breakdowns. He already did a good one on the huge run play they allowed uh, to Mostert to open the game. A lot of players messed up on that one. Uh, so some good stuff from him as well. But uh, we've, we're keeping the foot on the gas pedal here. Even though Jets are a complete joke, we're going to make sure that we're breaking down why they're a complete joke just about better than anyone else out there. So plenty of great stuff consistently every day. That's a heck of a sales pitch, Michael. I got to hand it to you. Head over <laughs> to JetsXFactor.com and follow Michael on Twitter 
at Michael underscore Nania. Speaking of sales pitches, here's mine for our friends over at MyBookie. You can get up to $1,000 in free betting and double your first deposit over at MyBookie right now when you use the promo code OVERTIME. You can bet on anything you want. Futures, props, the actual games. Though, as I've said, avoid betting on the Jets at all costs if you know what's good for you. Add excitement to the sports you love and the games you bet at MyBookie. Get up to $1,000 in free betting and double your first deposit right now over at MyBookie when you use the promo code OVERTIME. If you haven't given us a five-star review on iTunes yet, if you could go ahead and do that for us, really appreciate it. Easy way to help out the show if you like what we're doing. Doesn't take you much time, doesn't cost you any money, but it goes a long way to help us out. So if you could go ahead and do that for us, we'd be quite grateful. And for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts, you know where to go. That's Turn on the Jets Digital and TurnOnTheJets.com. <laughs>